Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing. I'm your host Manuel Feit. Hier ist Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, five days. That's how much longer we have to wait for the Bundesliga to return. Actually, by the time of this show's publication, it will be just four days. So, yeah, Bundesliga fans can be excited. We have the return of Fußball on mm. Friday. And it's going to be a big one too, eh, Stefan? I cannot wait. I've been getting... I'm, I'm so sick of watching English and Italian football right now. Um, <laughs> that's not entirely true. I've quite enjoyed it. Uh, I was actually tweeted about the Manchester Derby on Saturday. I had a few f followers tweet me saying, are you bored or something? Why are you watching this? Um, and yes, I was bored. I have been waiting for the Bundesliga return. I've been watching what's unfolding in Serie A with Napoli, with Envy, because I just kind of want to sink my teeth into something similar in German football. So nothing quite scratches that itch quite like the Bundesliga, which is exactly why we do this show. And exactly why probably you dear listener are listening right now so yeah i can't um i really can't wait for it to come back it's kind of it's, it's kind of um surprised me i knew it was in the calendar i knew it was coming uh but there's just been so much mayhem going on in the transfer window especially with both our jobs right now thank you chelsea um the <laughs> things have just completely forget what's going on sometimes and realize that um yeah the Bundesliga goes right around the corner Yeah, it is right around the corner. And the, the other thing is, too, it's been pretty quiet um, for German clubs in, in the transfer windows. We haven't really covered, like, I mean, there was outgoing transfer, Jorginho Ruta, right, to Leeds United for a ridiculous amount of money and uh, mm -hmm. Schade to Brentford for also for a ridiculous amount of money. Um, I mean, but incoming, it's been really quiet. And I think, you know, I, I spoke to an agent about this and he said, like, well, wait until the first game start and a couple of teams lose. <laughs> then it will be. <laughs> yeah. And then it will really get kickstarted and you will get a bunch of panic buys. Um, but, you know, we, we will do our transfer show later this week. Um, and that probably hopefully going to have some more stories on that um, then. But yeah, the, the Bundesliga is where it's at. The restart of the Bundesliga is where it's at this show. So we decided to do a little bit of a preview. Um, we both picked three clubs, Stefan. Mm. Uh, two that we think will have a good, well, it's technically not the second half of the season, a good restart of the season. Um, and one that we think is going to struggle. And um, I think we should probably start with um, our picks right after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And is your continued source for all sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. 
always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. That's it, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, um, let's start with the good first, good news first, right? Mm. So, yeah, I have not learned my lesson. I keep going back <laughs> and I just can't help myself. Hope springs eternal, as they say. And mm. I'm once again sitting here quite publicly stating that I think Leverkusen are going to hit the ground running and I think they're going to have a really good second half of the season. So when we say we think clubs are going to have a good or a bad season, I think we're kind of within the context of kind of how they've done in the first half of the season, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously Leverkusen just could not do any worse than they did uh, in the first half of the season, uh, more or less. Um, and I think there are probably, there's, there's probably three things that I think probably play in their favor here. Um, perhaps the first one um, on a wider scale is that they actually finished the year quite strongly. Uh, mm. They finished with only one defeat in their last seven games, I believe, in all competitions. Uh, you know, they finished with three wins on the bounce in the Bundesliga. Kind of felt like Xabi Alonso was kind of finally getting to grips with that team. Uh, you knew what he was doing with it. His back three was kind of slowly but surely, um, you know, coming coming to the fore and working for him. So I feel like it's and 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 after this prolonged uh, winter break, which as we've talked about numerous times, it's basically like an entire new preseason. Uh, I have no doubt that he's only managed to cement that, and he's only managed to kind of like forge stronger bonds with those players and they all know kind mm. of tactically what they want from uh what, what he wants from them rather and the two other ones are two players in particular who i think really should improve uh or, or offer far more in the second half of the season than they did in the first half um the first one's obviously florian verts who was out injured and you know we kind of mentioned this last week on one of the podcasts that you know it's it's easy to well not easy to forget because he's obviously still a big star but people it's, it's quite in the way football works obviously is that people move on so quickly to the next player and since Verts has picked up that injury just the entire limelight in German football has been placed firmly on Jamal Musiala uh, and he's done tremendously well there but it's easy to forget that not so long ago the two of them were kind of neck and neck for potential for what they were doing on the pitch uh, you can maybe even argue that last season Verts was a little ahead of him in terms of you know responsibility he was taking on at his club, um, and I just think him back in that Leverkusen squad can only be a good thing and it can only be a transformative thing uh, for that team that you know I actually wrote at least one newsletter um, in the first half of the season kind of talking about how if you look at the way Leverkusen play and the way they were struggling to score goals they desperately lacked him as a playmaker. Um, and I actually think that will play into the second player who I think um, will play a huge part, and that's obviously Patrick Schick, um, who's been pretty terrible, to be perfectly honest with you, so far this season. He's had some moments, uh, but by no means 
Has he performed to the level that you would expect of him? To the level that Leverkusen would demand having just signed him up to a new contract last year? Um, but I also wrote a, a newsletter about him through the year and I looked back at his kind of goal-scoring trends over the course of his career and what that showed was that he has these kind of cycles where he has, you know, a strong season and a poor season and a strong season and a poor season. And in the past, that was kind of chalked up to whether he was good enough at certain levels. So, for example, I think, I can't remember if, if he performed at Roma or didn't perform at Roma, but one way or another, he was deemed to have not been good enough um, and, and potentially getting found out at a certain level. But if you kind of look over the grander scale of his whole career, it suggests that he does always tend to bounce back after a kind of prolonged period of not scoring. And I think he's due to do that in 2023. I know he's still injured with an abductor injury. I think he should mm. be back um, this weekend because he's been out. I think he picked it up in early December, so he might be back by now. But if he misses the first one or two games, that's fine. I'm not really expecting him to be that immediate. But I just think in the grand scheme of this whole second half of the season um, and what, 18 games it is, I think Schick and Verts will you know, be back in that team performing and I just expect Leverkusen to start clawing their way up that league table. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good bet, to be honest with you, Stefan. Um, I think Leverkusen, there's also a few other pieces in there as well, right? I, I think Adam Lozek is probably going to find his form at some point. Um, mm. He's someone to yep. watch. Um, you know, and a really exciting player and I think a lot of people were really surprised how, how quickly Leverkusen got that deal done. Um, looks like Hudson Odoi is staying. I think he's going to be a, really, a valuable piece for them too. Mm. Um, I think Leverkusen is definitely one to watch, an exciting team to watch too, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a. I know you, <laughs> you were careful about this one because Leverkusen always have this ability to disappoint. But um, I think this one is actually not a bad bet at all. <laughs> they, they start the season. Uh, this or they. The return of the season. I'm struggling with the second half of the season thing, Stefan, because it's just not true. We're just not there yet. <laughs> They're starting match day 16. Um, we're in a, with a derby against Gladbach on Sunday. Yeah. Um, which, which is going to be a super interesting game to watch, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough game. I think the other, another thing I would add as well, just to kind of thinking about that, is that speaking to people at the club um, in the first half of the season about what was going on, and there were some actual suggestions... Um, from kind of former players as well that, you know, mm. um, the issues at, at Leverkusen were actually down to the fact that they had all these new players. And uh, I think there's a lot of talk about how, you know, there was just like five or six different kind of groups in that, in that, yeah. in that dressing room, depending on who spoke what language. And I think if that was an issue, I can appreciate that, you know, that's an issue at first when such a high turnover of players, but, I think that's something that also gets fixed in time. I think that's something that becomes less and less an issue in time. So I think we're probably going to see far more cohesion in this team. And I think Klozek's a perfect example of that, who's a very good, mm. very good, very talented player um, who was kind of just thrown into that team and asked to kind of fill in for Florian Wirtz at times last season, which is just yeah. not his role. So he'll finally be able to play the role that he wants to play. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Leverkusen can do. Mm, yeah, me too. I'm mean, actually that's one of the games penciled in for the weekend. But we're doing our preview show later this week, so let's leave it for that. Um, my team, my first team to that I think is really going to be on the up, and this is maybe a little bit of an easy pick, but going for it anyways is RB Leipzig. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only question mark I have with them is goalkeeping, which is, of course, uh, a topic for another team that we'll discuss later down the road. But um, I just think that this team is really going to keep firing um, the same way they were under Marco Rose um, before the break. And I also think that some, like, the fact that like Timo Werner, for example, didn't go to the World Cup. Yes, Christopher Nkunku is still out and it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to impact them. He's he's expected at the end of February to return then, right? Um, actually, they might actually still do something in that department. Um, as I said earlier in the show, watch for a couple of teams to lose and then they might do something. But Timo Werner not going to the World Cup, I think is actually going to be a benefit from them. Um, he really wants to probably hit the ground running, right? And um, kind of show that this transfer, this return to Leipzig wasn't a step back for him. And I think he's also, you know, with Nkunku now um, pretty much across the line to join Chelsea in the summer. Um, there's going to be a lot of expectations for, on him to, to fill that role. Um, so I think he's actually a player to watch in that regard. But there's other players in there as well, right? Someone like Andre Silva, for example, who mm-hmm. I, I still think could be a really good signing for this club. Um, Danny Olmo played the World Cup with Spain, wasn't exactly um, a huge success for them either. So I think he wants to come in and he's actually a really good candidate for me to maybe replace Nkunku a little bit in that forward role. Mm. Um, and then I'm super excited about seeing what Josko Guardiol can do, right? Um, now that he has played this phenomenal World Cup, he I think he's going to take up quite an important role for them. And... I also, you know, what I thought was really impressive is the way Marco Marco Rose, the way he came in and navigated a really difficult schedule, like a really difficult schedule, a schedule that was in many ways regarded by us as so difficult that we thought, okay, he could even be on the verge of being fired. And instead, you know, he, he managed to jump up into third place in the Bundesliga. He got out of the Champions League group, still in the Pokal. Um, you know, I think that is an enormous amount of success. And yeah, I think that's it's going to be interesting to see what he's actually done with this team now that he had like a full winter to prepare and work with them, right? And I, I think this is still very much one of the most talented squads in German football. And I, I'm just really curious to see what he's going to do with it. And I'm also really curious to see what Max Ebel is going to do in this transfer window. Um, you know, if he does bring in someone like Manu Kone, from Gladbach, I think that would be a tremendous signing for them. And yeah, I'm just really curious, Stefan, about this Leipzig squad. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, Leipzig were probably the team that I watched the most in person so far this season, actually, yeah. um, at least in terms of German clubs. And it was really interesting, especially in that Champions League campaign, just watching them kind of develop and get stronger and stronger every year. Um and I, I guess they're a bit like Leverkusen, as you said, you know, in the sense that they have so much talent that they really, sh- there's no reason why they shouldn't be kind of just continue to move up and up and up. Um, and I ju- I'm also just really impressed with the way they've kind of future-proofed this squad in the sense that, yes, of course, Christopher Nkunku um, was probably, well, will leave in the summer. Uh, I think Max Ebro actually more or less confirmed it today, actually. Um, and... That's fine, but he's obviously staying for the remainder of the season, which I was kind of chuckling to myself when I was looking at all this Chelsea news, and I was thinking, if Chelsea had just managed to get Nkunku over the line for a January move, they wouldn't have had to sign Felix, Mudrik, whoever else. You know, they probably would have saved Mm. themselves the best part of 100 million euros. Um, But obviously Leipzig 
dug their heels in, which they're very good at when it comes to transfers yeah. and stuff. And that's just that's just one thing. And as we've kind of talked about, it's on the, we've got it well on the record that they've also got a whole back catalogue of forward players who are ready to try and step in there. But the one that really impressed me is, the, is how quickly Leipzig have moved on from Conrad Leimer. Um, you know, I've been really impressed, really impressed with Schlager in midfield. Um, I thought he was an okay player at Wolfsburg, but the way that he's just kind of stepped up into that team and having watched him in, you know, in in person, he's just a very unassuming, very straightforward. Just does his job and gets on with it. And it's really interesting because I think there was maybe a story, and I think it was maybe Kicker did a big kind of profile on him over the winter break, and um, I think it was Derek Grievous tweeting this. He was basically saying that when he's not playing football, he's away like hiking with his friends or he was, he, was, he went to like Southeast Asia with some friends in the, on the winter break and he was just kind of backpacking and stuff, whatever. So he's obviously just a very laid back guy. Um, and that does kind of come across the football pitch, I must admit. But him and Haidara yeah. have done really well there to the extent where, you know, all this kind of murmurs about Conrad Leimer leaving for Bayern Munich, I think just been kind of met with the shrug of a shoulder, to be honest with you. Um yeah. And so that I, I, that kind of suggests to me that you know Leipzig are on a very strong footing, um, and I completely agree with you. Actually, I think they're going to be very good. I, I, I mean, I'm about to talk about another team who, um, you know, I know you can going to shock quite... all subscribers. <laughs> well, I was about to say I'm about to talk about that. I'm about to talk about them being, um, you know, doing well, but I don't think they'll do as well as Leipzig will do. Shall I say? Um, so, yeah, I think Leipzig are going to do very well in this uh, in this season. Even mm. the fact that and Kunku in particular strikes me as the kind of player who is going who who just continue doing well, even though he's already signed up to join another club next season. I think he's obviously got ambitions to do something with Leipzig. Um, and I think Vienna will do really well too. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're only six points off Bayern, so you know crazier things have happened. Yeah, and you know what, they can make a statement. Right off the bat, I mean, mm. you can't get much better than that to start the, the return of the Bundesliga on Friday with Bayern against like Leipzig against Bayern in Leipzig. Yeah, that's going to be insane. Um, it's going to be a really, really good match to watch. Um, we're going to preview that in, in great detail um, later this week, but I am really excited to see it. And, you know, I, I think this is this is. A statement game uh, that could make the Bundesliga either very interesting or very boring, <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> um, but you know, if 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 Leipzig win it, um, then all of a sudden everything at the top of the table um, shrinks together again, and that could also open maybe the door about for a club that you are going to talk about next. <laughs> Everyone, take a deep breath. Stefan has something positive to say about Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of me thinks I might regret this, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of having good. I'm getting some good vibes off of Dortmund right now. Mm. Um, there's a kind of backhanded insult to this, I guess, in the sense that I just also think that they can't do any worse uh, than they did in the first half of the season. Uh, and of course, everything just revolves around Sebastian Haller coming back. Um, 
not only is he back and fit, but he's seemingly way ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, he wasn't even expected to take part in these friendly matches. He took part in both, scored a hat-trick in one of them. Uh, and I know these are only friendly matches, so we kind of have to take them with a pinch of salt. But the fact that he's playing, the fact that he's looking match-sharp, uh, I just don't think we can overstate how big a deal that is for Dortmund because even though that team has been riddled with issues... I feel like, first and foremost, the biggest problem is that they just simply could not score goals. You know, in the first half of the season, or 15 games, if you want to call it, uh, yeah. they only scored 25 goals. And actually, I put out a graph about this maybe a week or two ago on Twitter and, you know, explaining why it was within the context of why Makuku is so important to Dortmund. And the, the point I was making was that this team, or this club hasn't scored such a low number of goals uh, at this point in the season since Jurgen Klopp's final season at the club, which obviously if you're of a certain vintage, you'll remember that that was just sheer chaos and the end of days vibes to it uh, for Dortmund. Um, yeah. We want to know what that feels like. Just look at Liverpool right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was even, it was even worse than that because they were in the relegation yeah, zone. Um which was quite interesting because I noticed our good friend Chris Williams, I think, maybe pointed it out that Jurgen Klopp said that he's never felt worse after a game than one of Liverpool's recent defeats. And he's like, well, they were in a relegation fight at Dortmund, so surely that was worse. But anyway, um, that's a side point. Um, so yeah, they've, they've, they, they, they desperately did a goal scorer. Makuku obviously did a decent job of that. Uh, you know, he's proved that he can be a senior player in that team. And he's used that leverage to get himself a good contract, which now looks like it's going to go over the line. Very good for him. You know, that's his prerogative. Can't can't really fault him for that. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the second half of the season he actually gets far less game time because now Sebastian Haller's back. Uh, and unless we see any kind of hiccups with his fitness or, in, uh, you know, his match far- sharpness, then I think, he, I think he offers a completely different edge to that Dortmund team. Um and he offers like kind of target man role that I think the team have kind of been crying out for just because that's kind of how they were set up on with Erling Haaland last season. Um, but yeah, and, and, and I think there's just other minor things as well. For example, I think, you know, that kind of back line will have had more time to adjust to itself. Obviously, Schlotterbeck and Niklas Sula were pretty crazy in the first half of the season, but they would have got more time to kind of embed themselves amongst each other. Schlotterbeck's been quite public during the winter break. He's gave a few interviews saying that he knows he wasn't good enough. He knew he, he wasn't up to his own standards. Uh, so he's going to have to work on that. Um, Rafael Gallero coming back from a very strong World Cup um, should hopefully help in that regard. Mm. They're still wide open at right back um, to an almost comical degree. Uh, as I pointed out on Twitter the other day, <laughs> Thomas Munier announced on Sunday or maybe Saturday that he was no longer needed an agent uh, because he had no interest in leaving Dortmund and the very next day he picked up a long-term injury. Um, so, you know, maybe Dortmund need to pick up a right-back before January finishes. But, you know, you then add maybe like Marco Royce coming back from injury as well. You've got, obviously, Adeyemi, Daniel Malin, who have obviously now got more time to bed in. Malin in particular, I thought, looked quite strong in those kind of mid-season friendlies mm. um, Gio Reyna might feel like he has a point to prove after the World Cup so I'm not by any means suggesting that Dortmund have kind of paved over all the cracks and that there aren't still issues in that team 
And at the end of the day, they still don't have a novice head coach who has looked very tactically naive to me this season. However, I do feel like up front, they've got Sebastian Haller in there. Yeah. At the back, you know, they've got two very good defenders. We know who, we know that they're two very good defenders who maybe um, got, a bet, got a better grip on things. Um, and I just don't think it could be any worse than what we saw in the first half of the season. No, I mean, and they they have like a, a lot of things to make up in that regard, right, in the table. But I, I find it interesting listening to you um, about the holes in the squad, right? Um, and right back is the most obvious one. Um, I, I I suspect that they will do something mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, and we, we've talked about that in the transfer show. Um, I think it's 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 a glaring hole. It's an important one to fill. Um, I can see them maybe looking at the current situation, say, okay, well, it's good enough for now. Um, you know, maybe good enough for Augsburg, who they're facing first um, on on Sunday as well. Um, mm. But you know, this is one of those where I'm where I think that. It's it's been all very positive, and like the whole Sebastian Haller story has, I think maybe almost rattled this team awake a little bit, right? And like it seemed so bad going into the World Cup, so negative, right? Um, to such an extent, and this I mean it is months ago now, literally, that people were questioning whether Aiden Terzic was going to survive in his job, hmm. and the World Cup happens. Um, a bunch of bad things happened at the World Cup, including because of some Borussia Dortmund players, Niklas Süle, for example, right? But then Sebastian Haller comes back and it's almost like the weight is lifted off the shoulders. Don't you get that sense with this team, Stefan? Like, that's that's how it feels for me. It's like the 40 million euro signing that like almost like was threatened to maybe never play for this club was battling a deadly disease. Mm. had to have a second operation. Now he's coming back and it almost feels like all the weight has been lifted off collectively of everyone's players' shoulders. Yeah, That's the sense that I'm getting. Yeah, and I hope this doesn't come across as distasteful in, in the way I'm going to kind of portray this, but considering what Sebastian Haller has gone through this season and the mm. way that he's managed to pull himself back into match fitness must surely say to everyone else in that changing room, okay, my problems are not problems. You know, like, yeah. if he can get back up and if he can start and if he can score a hat-trick in pre-season friendlies and, you know, get himself ready and up for this second half of the season, then I've got no excuse. You know, and I'm not suggesting yeah. that... I mean, I know that sounds really reductive and people have issues for genuine reasons and, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of players in that squad who aren't happy for legitimate reasons, but... Mm-hmm from a purely psychological or, or, or plain point of view, as you said, he's just such an exact, such an excellent example uh, of, you know, perseverance. And mm. yeah, it, it, it must be great for team morale. It must be great for team morale. And, uh, and it, it, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how much of a difference he can make in that team. And I'm not exactly expecting miracles from Dortmund. I, I, you know, I, whereas I would expect maybe as I just kind of suggested there, Leipzig could even push on and, and make a title challenge. Uh, yeah. I'm not by any means expecting that from Dortmund. I think they'll just be, I think they'll look far more composed 
Uh, I think they'll probably be able to push into that top four and, you know, and push out someone like Freiburg or, or Frankfurt. Um, mm. And they may even beat Chelsea in the Champions League, actually, the way things are going right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just I just think they'll look far more settled. They'll look more like a team. Um, and and then they can take it from there and see what happens next season, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it already, Frankfurt. I don't think that's the team that they're going to push out, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my uh, second positive to watch. Um, I'm actually really excited to see them back in action. Um, first and foremost, I, I can't wait to, to watch Randall uh, Kolomuani, um in the Bundesliga again. Mm. Um, he had such a fantastic World Cup. Yes, he did miss that chance, but... Let's be honest here. Martinez pulls a world-class stop there. He doesn't that stop you make maybe once a hundred times, right? <laughs> he just happened to make it at the World Cup final. But I thought that Ronald Kulumwani, for a player who wasn't even supposed to be there, played an incredible good World Cup, and um, I can't wait to see him back in the Bundesliga. But this entire side, it's just so well put together, and from top to bottom, right? Um, in fact, when you look at all the top four teams at the moment. Um, or the top three, I guess. Um, because like, yeah, sorry, Freiburg, if you're not mentioning you in this, but you look at Leipzig, Bayern or Frankfurt, they're the only ones with a international class goalkeeper at the moment. Mm. And, um, Kevin Trapp, you know, and he, Bayern did try and make an offer and he kind of shrugged it and laughed it off. Right. Because I think he knows exactly what he has, uh, at Frankfurt in Frankfurt and, the opportunity that is there, but I just look at that, this entire team, you know, whether it's um, like players like Indica and, and center back and then in midfield, there's so much depth in midfield. It's actually kind of incredible. And they just keep on adding to it. And, you know, and in Paxton Aronson, they assign um, a really, really exciting talent from, from America. I think a lot of US um, and, the, and a lot of our US listeners are going to be very excited about him being in Frankfurt and, you know, um, up front, the attack is so deep, so deep, in fact, that they could just sell one of their guys and um, it wouldn't even hurt them. And mm. I just, yeah, I just think this team is just poised to go strength to strength in the second half of the season. I Yes, I mean, the, the Champions League round of 16 against Napoli is going to be quite tough, especially when you think of what they just done to Juventus right on the weekend. But I don't think... This is this is a lost cause for Frankfurt at all. In fact, when they've been in Italy over the last few European seasons, I mean, this is a team that's very seasoned in Europe at this moment already, right? They, they had mm. uh, three deep runs in the Europa League, winning one of those. Um, and I think that in the Champions League, we kind of thought, okay, well, they're not going to get out of that group. And then they did quite handily. Um I think this is a team that's it's going to be quite dangerous in the second half of the season. And I think even if they do go out against Napoli, that might actually benefit them because then all of a sudden they've already accomplished more already in the Champions League than anyone expected. Then they can say, okay, well, this year Europe is not our number one priority. This year our number one priority is to do well in the Bundesliga and to finish in the top four and get back in the Champions League. And I think they're going to be thereabouts. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if Dortmund wants to push out one of the top four teams, I don't think that's going to be Frankfurt, Stefan. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. I actually, you know, thinking about it, Napoli might be the perfect opposition for them, just in the sense yeah. that they're such a gung-ho side. Uh, you know, and Frankfurt, 
you know, made short work of just about every gung-ho side that they played last season. And obviously they've done a great job of it uh, this time around as well. And, and I completely agree with you. I actually think as well, as good as Frankfurt have been this season, I think there's actually more to come of a few of these players. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned obviously Kola Moani continues to get better with, you know, every passing day. Ken is still waiting to see if Jesper uh, Lindstrom can... He's obviously mm-hmm. made the step up. I think he is playing better th- this season than he did last season. Uh, yeah. But it would be nice to see him kind of make a con- continue uh, improving in that regard in terms of... I know he scored as many goals as Kolomoani, so you know I can't ex- expect too much of him. But he's obviously a young player who I think is going to get better and better. Um, but there's there's other guys in that team, you know, Alario, Goza, Bore, like... Mm-hmm. Even like... Kamada. Yeah, well, yeah, Kamada's an interesting one. I was going to bring him up in a moment, I was, and I was just going to say mm. those three players have actually... Goats in particular has played well without really getting goals and assists on the chart, which I'd want to see more of from him. Yeah. Especially if he's going to have to end up replacing Kamada, because we're still not entirely sure what's going on with Kamada, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. And it'd be great to see him sign a new contract and just kind of commit to the squad. And like you said just kind of fit into that top um help them cement that top four finish and you know just as we've talked about in the show before just cement their their, their um ranking in, in in german football because you know they've yeah. got this they've got the support they've probably got the finances they've certainly got the squad they've certainly got the head coach for it uh you know and oliver glasner i think is one of the best head coaches in the league um mm. and yeah, I completely agree with you. I think they've had a good start to the season, and I've, I've been really impressed actually with their kind of consistency in the start, in the first half of the season. I know I kind of joke throughout the season that they only seem to do well when I don't watch them, so <laughs> you know, take that I guess with a pinch of salt. But in fairness, but one of the best games that they did play, you did watch, and that was in the Champions League. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, <laughs> so they did break yeah. that curse eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. But yeah, they look—they just look so at home at that stage in the Champions League. Look so at home in that top four spot. I think so. I—I I completely agree with you. It'd be great to see them have a good 2023. Mm, and I do think that they're in terms of growth and where they can be, not just in German football but in international football. Um, they're the club with the biggest potential in the Bundesliga. You know, mm. they they can probably emulate if they do things right and work at it long term, they could emulate what Bayern Munich is in Bavaria. Um mm. with with the financial backing that that city has and you know, being the what the Germans call the Drehkreuz of Europa, the the, the turning table of Europe, um, because of the large airport, right? Mm. Um there is there's a ton of potential there. Um and I think I think too when you look at the likes of Kamada or Indica, um, they should just look, take a close look at some of the players that have left for greener pastures, quote unquote. You know, someone like Philip Kostic, who thought um, Juventus was a step up and is now struggling in Serie A. And, and it's just sometimes it's not better somewhere else. And I think a lot of the Frankfurt departures have noticed that. Um, over the years, you look at Ante Rebic, Jovic, Sebastian Haller is, of course, now um, at Dortmund. But I think there comes a point when maybe some of these guys will say, huh, maybe it's quite good here. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we can play Champions League football here in front of 60,000 mad fans, uh, best stadium atmosphere in Germany. Um, 
this is a club that's on the up. It's not like you're getting paid with peanuts there either. You know, they make really good money now in Frankfurt. And um, you live in a very metropolitan big city. Um, you know, you're at an airport where you can go anywhere in the world within a heartbeat. I think some of these players might come to the realization at some point that maybe maybe it's not better somewhere else. And I think when Frankfurt hit that, and I think this is also something that Frankfurt have over Dortmund, for example. Dortmund is quite a small town, right? Um, and it, it's it, you stand out if you drive a golden Lamborghini like Aubameyang did in <laughs> Dortmund. That's not necessarily in the in the bank bank capital of Europe. <laughs> That's not the case there. You drive a golden Lamborghini, you're probably average. <laughs> and I think that's something that that city has going for itself. Yeah, um, I think we could definitely agree that bankers and footballers both have equally terrible taste in fashion yeah. and cars and things like that. So yeah, they seem to go. For, they seem to fit in one another with one another quite well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's maybe something that frankfurt has going that is getting maybe still underestimated by quite a few including players that play for the club um mm. but you know they're doing such a great job uh i saw a rumor this week i had to laugh about it a little bit that glasner is now linked with a you ready for the stefan head coaching job of chelsea <laughs> <laughs> why not hey why not maybe maybe they're going to sign him as he, the next winger yeah, he's already said no. Um, so anyways, <laughs> let's go to the bad. Um, and I'm just going to uh, use my club for us before you uh, reveal your maybe a little bit surprising choice. And I went very easy here. I went with Schalke. Um, returned to the Bundesliga. Germany's arguably third or second biggest club by membership. Reach, fan volume, um used to be by finances too, Schalke 04 are in big trouble, Stefan. And last in the table with just nine points, already five points away from a non-relegation spot. That doesn't seem like a lot, but I look at this team and I look at, okay, well, the winter window opens is open has been open now for 16 days. Yes, they haven't kicked the ball yet, but I just don't think they have enough in the winter to actually address the issues goal scoring defense co co cohesion and midfield the top two goal scorers is simon tirol and marius uh Bülter with three goals each mm. there hasn't been anyone added to this team who i think could say you know produce the 10 15 goals that you will need you look at the contrast between schalke and werder bremen you know where werder bremen have going to probably finish the season with at least two strikers scoring in double digits. I don't see that at, at Schalke at all, Stefan. And that if you don't have that, I don't think you can survive in the Bundesliga. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, I've been kind of worried about Schalke for this entire season. We kind of said when we did mm. our previews that they, they just didn't seem like they had enough goals in them whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and they would struggle, and that's exactly what's happened. There's chaos at the club as always, and the only thing that I could really see going in Schalke's favour is that they obviously brought Thomas Rice in before the winter break. Um, yeah. He had a really tough start, I must admit. You know, obviously came up against Freiburg, then he came up against the informed Werder Bremen, uh, and then he had Mainz and Bayern Munich. And that win against Mainz um, suggested that they might be able to turn a corner, but you know, so I don't know. I kind of feel like 
Thomas Rice having a whole preseason to kind of get his tactics instilled in that squad uh, and to kind of just get everything back to basic and just do what he did, obviously, at his previous club and just make them so hard to beat, then mm. there might be some hope for Schalke. But no, I completely agree with you. They look kind of like they look like a team just waiting for relegation at this point, um, which is a shame because they're obviously such a big club uh, and yeah. I would have liked to have seen them stay up. But they just haven't really done their homework. They haven't really put together a proper squad. They're still fiasco with paying ex-head coaches and mm. even trying to hire Thomas Rice was a fiasco because, if I'm not mistaken, they tried to pick him up earlier than they did. That backfired, so they had to stick with the guy that they had, which obviously wouldn't have helped things. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, it's just same old, same old Schalke, but maybe Thomas Rice can perform a miracle. Who knows? Well, I think you will have to perform a miracle for this team to stay in the league. Um, as you said, it would be a huge shame because it is such a giant in German football. But, you know, sometimes you have to go through that cycle of second division football twice. Um, the, the the depth that they carried into the into relegation was enormous. Didn't help that their sponsor, Gazprom, right? Mm. Um, they had to cut tie, ties with them very quickly because of um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, and, you know, the money that has come in since has just hasn't been able to replace that. And, uh, yeah, I just... I'm worried about Schalke. Um, you know, you look at you look at HSV and the amount of years that they have spent in the second division. Um, it's it's really difficult to reestablish yourself once you've once you form once. And we talked last week a little bit about the need of investors in German football. I think once you've fallen down that far down the ladder. Um, and it's, of course, very difficult to do uh, with a club like Schalke because Schalke, like all other teams in German football, um, even though they're membership clubs, they at least have some sort of professional structure at the top now, right? Where a um, joint stock or closed stock company kind of runs the football operations and that allows you to sell certain parcels to investors. Schalke is still operated in this primitive um, eingetragener Verein way, which a lot of German fans, of course, love, but makes it really difficult for anyone to actually come in and say, okay, we're going to buy a parcel of this club mm. and give you a bunch of money to fix things. And um, I think as long as Schalke have the structure that they have as a club, that's not going to be fixed and they're not going to be able to make up the gap that they have lost, um, which is, of course, really concerning. I think this is a club that's ripe for the picking. Mm. If they come in and say, we change the structure, I bet you like a US investor would just go in and buy this team and probably fix it. Mm. Um, so yeah, interesting one to watch. Um, your final club, Stefan, you're going to surprise a few people with this, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, Bayern Munich? yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not the Bayern Munich fans on Twitter who are convinced that I use this podcast as a platform to constantly talk on their club. Which, of course, I'm about to do right now. So I guess there's that. Um, and yeah, I think things are tricky for Bayern Munich right now because they've obviously got a number of injuries from the World Cup. Possibly the most unluckiest team to come out of the World Cup in the sense that, you know, picked up, what, one, two, at least two main, major injuries from it. Lucas mm -hmm. Hernandez and, you know, Masrui. Um, the latter of which some complications over that because there's maybe some suggestions he actually played uh, after picking up an in illness for Morocco 
but two of them are out for a long period and of course Manuel Neuer then picks up an injury um, after it as well or I can't remember if it was during it but after Germany went out anyway um, and of course Sadio Mane picked up an injury beforehand so this January transfer window has been one which has just led to constant media speculation over who they're going to sign um, you know, Oliver Kahn and Salihamovic have just been on and off television, mm. radio, newspapers, talking about the players that, you know, that they've got everything under control and they're looking to sign players. And it's all kind of frantic and hectic again. And although we can usually just chalk most of that up as just hyperbole from the media, I think there should be genuine concerns over the state of the squad going into the second half of the season. Obviously, yeah. defence is the big issue. Um you know, I thought Lucas Hernandez was probably, you know, Bayern's best defender in the first half of the season. Uh, and he now has to step aside for Upamecano and De Ligt. And, you know, to be fair to Upamecano, I thought he actually played very well for Bayern in the first half of the season. But at times in that, in that World Cup, he reverted back to his old panicky, overly physical aspects. Um which if I was a Bayern fan watching that, I would think, oh, I'd kind of hope that that being kind of trained out of him by now. So I'm intrigued to see how he does in the second half season. But of course, the far bigger issue is De Ligt, who signed for this kind of record fee and just has not shown himself to be anywhere near yeah. capable of stepping into that team. Uh, and ideally, you know, Hernandez picks up an injury and De Ligt can just slot straight in there. But I'm really not entirely sure that's going to be able to work out. And of course, they've signed Dali Blind, who, I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, it doesn't strike me as a very inspiring option, to be honest. I, I just, even when he was playing well for Ajax, when he was playing regularly for the Ajax team, I still thought he was quite a limited player. Um, His underlying numbers are really strong, though. Yeah, I know. But I just I just think, as a player, he's quite a limited player, especially um, if you're looking at the kind of stages in the Champions League that Bayern Munich are hoping to get to. So, mm. you know, then you add obviously Masrui, their first choice right back getting injured. Benjamin Pavard seems to be in a tricky situation. It's unsure whether he'll be able to slot in there and kind of do yeah. a job for them. And, you know, that defence already kind of looks like it's got a number of issues before you even get to the fact that Manuel Neuer's out of that team. Um, yeah. And, you know, I really don't think you can overstate how important it is that Mario Neuer's not in this team. Maybe a couple of seasons ago, uh, you could argue that, you know, he was beginning to look on his way. They had to replace him, but had a really strong season. And although he has looked a little shaky this season, he still puts in huge performances. Uh, he still makes huge saves. He's still a, a very kind of um, dominating figure in that defence. Um yeah. And even if Bayern are able to sign someone like Jan Sommer or Jan Sommer, Still don't think he's going to be able to make up the difference there. I'm still find myself baffled with Bayern's demand, really efforts to sign Sommer, because I still think of him as a perfectly good goalkeeper, but by no means a top, top class goalkeeper. Um, so I'm not even sure he'd make a useful short-term signing. Um, and, you know, Sven Ulrich as well, I'm not entirely convinced by either. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my main concern for Bayern. I just think defensively, um, they may struggle in the big games, um, it'll be interesting to see how they do against Leipzig, but I think particularly in the Champions League, they may struggle in that regard. Um, and then I think mm. also up front, you can kind of look at it and think, well, 
they do have a number of great players up front. They've got a number of players who are doing okay. I wrote a piece last week about Sadio Mane and how his numbers are actually quite impressive this season. Yeah. He has improved on what he was doing at Liverpool the season before, but there's still that kind of emphasis that they are relying on Chupamoting to be that kind of striker. They still can't find a way to step away from the ghost of Robert Lewandowski, shall I say. Um, and although it's great that Chupamoting can step in and score goals in the Bundesliga, and I know he has done so in the, in the group stages, but I just can't find myself, I just can't think of him stepping into that team in a Champions League quarterfinal or semi-final um, and being a difference maker. I could be mm-hmm. wrong and I'll happily eat my hat if and when he scores that goal to get, take them through to the semi-finals or the final of the Champions League but it just seems to me like a huge issue um, you know not to mention the quite alarming um, demise of Thomas Muller as well who uh, to be fair at 33 um, certainly deserves to you know begin to consider putting his, putting his um, hanging up the boots Chelsea having said that I was quite surprised to see him say that he's not going to retire from international football but mm. everything that I've seen on the pitch the season would suggest that maybe he should, but I don't know. I just I just think there are some... The problem with Bayern Munich is that minor or, or small margins are actually big margins because, you know, they have to be functioning at 100% to ensure that they can compete against other big clubs around Europe. And I just think there's too many issues in defence and the fact that Chippo Moting is still such an important player or has become an important player in this team suggests to me that Nagelsmann's still kind of paving over the cracks here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I am such a geek, Stefan, and I actually watched their friendly against Salzburg last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> this is how desperate I was for <laughs> for return of football, which turned out a pretty good choice for a match to watch because it was a 4-4 in the end. Um, at one point, Salzburg were up 4-1, um, which... Tells you everything you need to know about Bayern Munich's state of defense <laughs> at this stage <laughs> of the season. They were in absolute shambles. Um, I mean, it's entertaining for us um, as spectators, right, to see something like that. And um, Salzburg have, of course, a history of putting Bayern Munich to sword to the sword uh, in preseason friendlies. Remember a few years ago when uh, it was uh, Roger Schmidt still at Salzburg and Pep Guardiola at Bayern. I think Salzburg won a friendly 4-1. Um, so there's a history there. But I, I did think it was intriguing to see how how much disarray there was in that back line. And um, although Sven Ulrich had a little bit of a better game, um, Bild gave him a two, which I thought was... So two is the, the second best grade you can get in Germany. Mm. Um, it's one to six, right? Um, one is being the equivalent of an A, and then two is B, and so on. Um, they gave him a two, and I thought, okay, well, I didn't think he was that good. <laughs> you give up four goals against Salzburg. Um, and of course, I mean, they, they, what is interesting about that result is that um, they're playing a team that's playing pretty much the same football <laughs> on Friday, um, which is obviously why they chose Salzburg as their their last opponent in, as a test match, the only opponent in a test match, I have to add. And so if I was a Bayern fan, I'd be looking at that result and say, okay, well, it's a friendly. Um, I'm I'm in the camp with things. Friendlies are often overrated by the media. But on the other hand, it does tell you a little bit of where we're at, right, um, mm-hmm. with the squad. And um, the things that are maybe worrying um, 
in terms of the back line, but also the midfield. Uh, the attack obviously was working really well for them. <laughs> so there's no issue there. But I think everything that you're saying right there is is quite concerning. And then this goalkeeper situation too, um, that we have talked about now since the day Manuel Neuer got injured in December and um, has been a running conversations ever since. And they said and briefed people of the media saying that the goalkeeper situation was going to be resolved by the day that Bayern Munich go to the training camp in Qatar. That was January 3rd. It's January 16th now. 13 days later, it's still not resolved, right? Mm. Um, they have basically now shut the door on Alexander Nubel, which I personally think is a mistake. Um, yeah, they have now gone back to Jan Sommer with Klapper saying, you want Jan Sommer, you have to essentially buy us that goalkeeper from Montpellier that we want. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what's going on. And like, mm. that is that is so much noise. That is so much noise. And Bayern Munich is always noise. But for a club that has promised themselves to get things done quietly, like, I actually think the Dalai Blind move, the way it went as quickly as it went, mm. it fulfills quite a lot of needs. When you... When you look at his numbers um, at Ajax, at a team that plays a very similar style of football in Bayern, he actually was one of the leading players there and a lot of the stats. So, you know, they, they found a player really quickly who can probably do the job. But then now they have this right-back situation and the goalkeeper situation, maybe the centre-back situation because of Benjamin Pavard. And mm -hmm. it's all so loud. Mm -hmm. It's every day, non-stop. And... You know, there might not be a solution. And even if they get Jan Sommer, is he the solution? Because then next summer we have the same theater again. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I mean, it looks like they're going to get Jan Sommer now because this Montpellier have apparently put this goalkeeper up for sale. You know, Tom was kind of enticed Gladbach into getting to buying him. So, look, they might get Sommer through. And as you said, they do have a habit of getting these deals through behind closed doors. So, maybe they bring in a decent right back and everything's okay, but as things stand right now, in terms of preparation for the second half of the season, I just feel like Bayern are missing one or two players in that regard, either through injury or just by not signing players, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. In typical Bayern fashion, they might end up just blowing Leipzig away, and obviously what I'm talking about is nonsense, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I'd be, I'd be really intrigued to see. I'd be quite surprised if they were to keep up the intensity that they showed in the first half of the season. They obviously did very well in the Champions League, so you know, we'll yeah. need to see if they can kind of keep that up. But um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I did, I did think, despite the fact that they are top of the Bundesliga right now, I, I do think at times last in the in the first half of the season, they did go long stretches without being entirely impressive, um, and far from kind of convincing and they're now going to have to do that all with some really big injuries in that team so yeah we'll just yeah. have to wait and see yeah absolutely uh stefan that's it from this week or this monday um mm. when we record um yeah really excited to have it all back uh, i'm curious to see how our predictions come true um of course there's so much more that we can talk about and of course we're going to have our preview show later this week so um, stay tuned for that. We are also going to have our transfer roundup and our special show on top of that. So a little bit, bit more content coming this week. So, yeah, lots to be excited about. But um, as always, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Um, we'll be back with more content. Anything that you want to add before we call us a day? Um, 
In terms of housekeeping, it's probably worth mentioning that um, going mm. forward, we are going to make some changes to the um, output from the podcast. So as things are right now, we obviously bring out the main show for free. We then do a subscriber show and then we do the transfer show for free at yeah. the end of the week. Uh, now that the Bundesliga is coming back, that end of week show will be replaced with the preview show, which will still be free. But we're now going to put the transfer show behind the paywall um, for subscribers uh, just because it's now going to become an extra show uh, on top of. Yeah. So it's going to be an extra uh, bit of workload for us on top of our normal schedule. So we felt like it's only fair that we put, give, send that to subscribers who help support the show. Uh, that will also be going out beyond the January transfer window. So you know, we'll obviously just be using that show to pick apart transfer rumours, um, which, as we all know, go on long after the transfer windows open or close. Um, but we'll also be using that to kind of talk about, you know, transfer strategies that clubs should consider, what players are coming and going and should come and go. Mm. So we'll put out a post and explain it all this week. But if you are, if you don't sign up, if you're, if you're not a subscriber to the Substack um, and you're kind of mulling it over, um this week might be a good opportunity to kind of jump on board that so you can continue listening to the transfer show and pick up the extra podcast. So we'll now have two bonus shows for subscribers uh, going forward now uh, every week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, more content is good, right? Um, also want to give one more shout out to the show that the main show that we did last week. Um, we had Freddy Bobic mm. on the show, director of sport of um, Hertha Berlin. Um, and I thought it's it was really interesting, really in depth. Um, the sort of insight that really opened the hood, didn't he, um, on the ongoings of a Bundesliga club? So I want to give that another shout out. It's mm. it's a timeless podcast. Um, it answers a lot of the questions about the Bundesliga uh, fifty plus one, the in bringing in investors, but also quite a lot of stuff about the German national team. So I, I want to give that one more shout out. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with more content later this week. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.